1: She's right there when I need her. <laughs> Good why morning! Say, why would you say her, then? Point to me. It's weird. Okay, Very confusing. There, how about this? Very confusing, right? Over there. This way. Maybe it's that one. This way. That way. Her. This way. Yes. <gasps> yes, we have a special guest in studio today. We do. We do. We do. Yes, we do. We do. Please. Really? 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 Seriously. Really? She Hello? 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 Oh, oh, oh. Just kidding. Oh! Oh! Such a big one, such a big one. Yes, my thirteen-year-old. Uh, I share her with my she, husband. Our thirteen-year-old. So I know, Benny. They were all little tiny ones when just you saw guys, them. Just but it was awesome. I got the HOV lane today. No, it was, a that bonus, was right? really a bonus. I love that every day too. Yeah. So y'all wondering what you tuned into? Well, you tuned into uh, Super Sue Sue Lundquist here. <laughs> Don't you like that, Super it's Sue? A new one. It's a new one. That's a new one. Super Sue and Benny, AKA Superman, right over there across the boards, pushing buttons and doing his magic. It is the Gratitude Cafe. Today, we've got a special show. Well, we've got a special show like every other day, and we're talking about near-death experiences, NDEs, what does that look like? We have two very special um, local guests that are going to be joining us today, Kimberly and David, and I'm going to bring Kimberly on in just a minute and David in just a few minutes, but let's talk to you about new perspective, new thoughts, new ideas, and that new you stuff all of that. That's why I am here. That's why I do what I do. And reminding all of you to sign up for my newsletter at www.suelundquist.com. And that will get you not only if you've had readings when you've called in, that'll give you a copy of your reading. Um, that will give you a copy of the education and all the information that we speak to and about on the show. And, um, first of the year I was talking about a very special mantra and the mantra for me this year and I'm just going to remind you over the next few weeks is no guilt and to remind all of you with this quote everything that you are going through is preparing you for what you asked for that is so so valuable again everything that you are going through is preparing you for what you asked for so rocket sisters and brothers All right, before we get started, we have the wonderful Josh Parkinson with Resonate Brand. Resonate helps you build beautiful, mobile-friendly websites. But more importantly, they help you build a web strategy that helps your business attract new customers, grow a following, and get higher in the search listings. And if you want to create an online course or membership that sells automatically without lifting a finger, they can help you build and sell that too. Contact resonate web leadership for a free consult to see what options they have for you and of course you can go to their website triple w resonate web dot agency tell josh i uh sent you over there and you heard about us on the gratitude cafe or heard about them um on the gratitude cafe it, did you turn me down on my ears no ghostwriter but i'll oh, give okay, you more okay more 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 juice more juice oh there we go now it's better Thank you, Sir Benny. All right, uh, near-death experiences, NDEs. What does that mean? Um, give us some, ga- some examples. We're going to talk about some um, real-life stories, um, real-life stories, real-life experiences, and also um, your resources, local and international resources for people that have gone through this or have even more questions. So this morning, our first guest is Kimberly Clark Sharp, MSW. And this is also a really good resource. I wanted to make sure I double, double, triple checked this. She is an author of After the Light, The Spiritual Path of Purpose. Uh, She's also the founder of Seattle International Association of Near-Death Studies, the world's oldest and largest support group for near-death experiences since 1982. She's also named one of the 40 most influential people under the ages of 40 in the Pacific Northwest in 1987. Should I dare tell her in 1987 I was graduating high school? (laughs) I love you, Kimberly. Hang on. I was 10. Uh, Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was double digits, finally. Yes. And founder of the Department of Social Work at the world's first bone marrow transplant center, Fred Hutch Cancer Research Center. Pioneer in the field of critical care and social work at Harborview Medical Center, advisory board, hospice of Seattle. Oh, I love hospice. I've got some great stories with hospice. International conference and workshop speaker, publishers of many journals, textbooks, magazines, consultant to new and entertainment industry. She's a cancer survivor, whoop, whoop, uh, co teacher, terminal illness seminars, School of Medicine, University of Washington. All of this wonderful stuff, please give a warm welcome to Kimberly Clark Sharp. Welcome to the Gratitude Cafe, Ms. Kimberly.
2: Thank you. Can I start giggling now because that was hilarious. <laughs> when, I was, when I was named one of the 40 most influential people... Under the age of 40, you
1: were like being born. I mean... No, I wasn't being born. I know. Oh, but yeah. Still. I know, but there were audience members, I'm sure, that were. And we go through this. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, and and I'm sitting next to a customer or somebody, and she's like, oh, yeah, when I was in in, in 87, I was like nine. I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) I'm aging myself to the audience. I have to do a quick shout-out to my wonderful, wonderful people in Canada as well. We have... um, Huge following can- in Canada as well, Kimberly. Well, uh, greetings, A. Yes, greetings, A. Kimberly, thank you so much for joining us and putting this together. It's it's um, an important topic to me, and I wanted to bring it to my audience because it's special, it is important, and people need to know about it. So, I'm going to remind the audience that you are an author and of your book, "After the Light: The Spiritual Path to Purpose." How can they get a hold of that book? Um, Should I send them um, a link? Amazon, on my...
2: Barnes and Noble. Okay. Um, you know, any online venue, contact me. Okay. Um, yeah, there's there's a variety of avenues, and uh, it's in its fourth printing and still out there, so you'd be able to find it.
1: Nice. After the light, the spiritual path of purpose. All right, let's get into the nitty gritty. If we could. Please, Ms. Kimberly, NDE, can you explain to us in the audience what near-death experience is? Well,
2: it means you're dead.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> we can begin with that. And P.S., yeah.
2: <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> so if you find yourself having a near-death experience... You would be dead. No, seriously, um, a near-death experience, it's, its everything is in that term. Uh, a term coined by a fellow by the name of Dr. Raymond Moody, who uh, wrote a book that's still a classic called Life After Life in the 70s. And um, the pattern that he noted in people who were reporting memories when they were close to death, still holds. So and we'll talk about that in a sec. But anyway, basically a near-death experience is a memory or a collection of memories that occur at a time when our bodies are uh, in imminent danger of not breathing um, or, in fact, that lack of breath is in full force. Uh, no heartbeat, and what we would call death. However, the brain does stay stimulated for a while, so it's unknown at this time why when someone does not have a heartbeat, is not breathing, can still uh spot objects at a remote distance, for instance. I mean, if you think about it, um, eyeballs stay within the cranium. So how the heck does that happen? And that's all part of an out-of-body experience, which is, in summation, a near-death experience. People who um, come that close to death report at about, it depends on the researcher, between 17% and 40% of people at that edge report memories.
1: Seventeen to forty percent.
2: Part of the population, and that's for children as well as adults. Um, Although my own experience with children has bigger numbers than that, um, more at seventy percent, and then there are um, frightening experiences that happen as well that are temporary. And again, in my own research, that's at about fourteen percent. So those are the numbers. So between seventeen and forty percent of the population. Uh, on the verge of death have experiences that cannot be explained um, at all, actually.
1: Well, when when you say experiences that cannot be explained as all, conscious, unconscious, what does that mean? Is there examples that you can share with us? Sure. Um,
2: my favorite example falls, again, in my research at the meeting of deceased loved ones, the people that I've interviewed over the decades have reported that to like well at the seventy-five percent level. So three-fourths of the people that I've interviewed have in the in the experience of being close to death have been met by by people they have loved in life,
1: mm. or
2: have some kind of connection to. Which, by the way, includes pets.
1: Yes, lots
2: of pet stories. Yes, yes, uh, especially in children. And <clears throat> so that's wonderful. Uh, people, well, they're all out-of-body experiences, but. Um, finding oneself hovering above the body or in a corner of a room or going through the building where one's body might be, in the case of a hospital or care facility, and going up, 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 up into the universe. Um, uh, um, An immersion in a powerful light or a being of light Made of nothing but love, and that's really the that's the highest part of this experience. That's the peak, as the peak in the peak, is this um, um,
1: white light of divine yeah, love. Yeah,
2: it, it's the love,
1: mm. and,
2: and uh, but also uh, approaching a border and knowing that that's the point of no return. Um, a tunnel experience. We've that's part of the. Um, the vernacular, in, in our culture anyway, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, who came up with that? I don't know. But that's how ingrained these experiences have been in humanity for a long, long time. Um, there are cave drawings in France that show uh, a hunter hunting an animal, and then the next little drawing is the animal goring the hunter, and then the next little drawing is the hunter hovering above his own body. And those cave drawings are thought to be around 10,000 years old. So Wow! I know. So this is not a new, <laughs> no. a new reporting. I just think that the reportings are up because resuscitation efforts are up, and particularly in the King County area where... Um, we have more survivor uh, experiences than any other place in the world, I'm, I'm willing to bet. But uh, the, the cities of Houston and Pittsburgh have really high resuscitation rates, too. But Seattle-King County area, because this is where 911 um, was literally invented,
3: I didn't so, know that really. Yeah,
2: oh yeah, yeah, <clears throat> in the late 70s. So, um this is the birthplace of not only professional resuscitation efforts, and by that I mean paramedics in the field, but also about half the population in Seattle um no CPR. Citizen CPR citizen CPR rate is at it, it's at about 50% and in LA and New York it's at about of the population. Wow. So the whole point of these numbers is that a lot of people know how to resuscitate another human in this area, and so people are restored to their, and by, by successful resuscitation in Medic One in King County and in the city of Seattle, a successful resuscitation means a complete return to previous lifestyle. It's not vegetating somewhere. It's returning to work, returning to to a functioning um, existence that happened prior to whatever the physical problem was. So those are very high numbers, and I think that's why we have such an old and large support group for the experience in Seattle. There's just a a, a lot of near-death experiencers, and I believe that affects the culture of King County, um, I, I think this is a place full of really nice people and that the vibes of those who have been to the other side and come back and have reported love and, and follow their lives with love and gratitude uh permeate the very fabric of our existence
1: locally. Mm. Yummy, juicy stuff, Kimberly. Absolutely. I think so. Well I do. <laughs> And, you know, I... Keeps me going. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I I am in the field of spirit. I, I mean, I know firsthand experience of things and beings that have crossed over. So for me to talk about the divine light and that divine love, that sense of feeling that you get, no, I have not had a near-death experience. But that is what I'm experiencing, that sense when... Go ahead. No, no I just
2: wanted to... No, when you get to the period, I just want to validate your what you said.
1: Well, that divine light for me, and this isn't about talking to spirit or crossing over, it's about near death experiences, but I also I, I I wanted to have that conversation that when I am talking to spirit, it's coming from such a divine love and this essence of purity. It's it's not what Hollywood has personified as this weird Ouija board negative stuff, I guess is what I'm saying. So I love that. I love that the people that have crossed over and they're they're experiencing the near-death experiences and they're experiencing exactly that as well.
2: I just wanted to say, again, to validate what you're talking about, is that one doesn't have to be dead or that close to dead to have these experiences. They also can occur uh in, in what's called lucid dreaming, you know, very, very like mm-hmm. uber high awareness dreaming yep. or um,
1: there are
2: near-death-like experiences. There are after-death communications from loved ones who have died, um, spontaneous out-of-body experiences. Even, uh, oh, this is, a, this is amazing. So I would say the people in the, the highest form of good health would be Olympians. And um, they're like, you know, very physical creatures in very good shape. Yet um, even Olympians who are in long-distance events like marathon running report out-of-body experiences. Suddenly they're running at the top of tree level. Oh, yeah. And uh, they don't know why. So, uh, Or long-term endurance swimmers have the same kind of experience. So it's a field that is full of questions and i um
1: it's exciting though isn't I, it
2: it is very exciting because we're just getting more and more reports that indicate that you know the the term consciousness is a new buzzword but what is yes. yes what are what what does being conscious mean and and so the near death experience is just an extreme end of higher consciousness but it that ability like you're talking about to tap into the divine um, into the source of all love is available to
1: all of us. Absolutely. It's available to all of us completely. Um, I wanted to remind the audience that we are talking to Kimberly Clark Sharp. Her book, author, or she's an author of the book, After the Light, The Spiritual Path to Purpose, available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Of course, you can contact her. Uh, Kimberly, how do they contact you? Do you have...
2: Um, I would say go to... Um, Seattleions.org, dot org and send me an email.
1: We're going to have to spell that out. That's I. Yeah, so I'm going
2: to do that. Okay. So it's Seattle and I hope people at this point know how to spell Seattle. Yes. And then the initials I A N as in Nancy, Diaz and David S dot org, which is uh, the local organization, King County. Uh, the support group we talked about. IANS stands for the International Association for Near Death Studies. It is based globally in um, uh, Durham, North Carolina. Yep. But there are groups like ours in Seattle all over the world. And by going to uh, IANS.org uh, and clicking on support, one can find support groups. Um, all over the United States, in Canada, and uh, various parts of Europe, Australia,
1: all that good Asia. stuff. Asia, yeah, where our listeners are too. So I'm going to repeat that, folks, audience, write this down. Of course, it's Kimberly Clark Sharp. If you want to get some more information locally for the Seattle, it is i a n d s dot org. It's Seattle i a n d s. I-A-N-D-S.org. Uh, I will also have all this resource and information on my newsletter. So if you are driving, don't worry about it. And you are getting my website. Good for you. You get two stars or three. Should we give them three stars today, Benny? Let's give them three stars. I'm up for it. All right, three stars. We will get all that information for you. Um, they do have the international um, phone number, if you want that, is 919 383 7940. And that's a voice and a fax, if you want to get a hold of them. So before we go to break, I'd like to bring David on. And, Kimberly, we're going to just have a chat. I, David, uh, you know David personally, and he is part of your group. Is that correct? He's
2: Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. And, by the way, being part of the group, there's not membership.
2: Just show up. We meet once a month, and you don't have to have had a near-death experience, Um Meetings are open to the public. We ask for donations, but we don't charge. And, and David, yes. Yes. I've been a part of that group for a long time.
1: Yes. David, Sue Lundquist here. Welcome to the show. Hi, Sue. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. You know, I was going to read your introduction, and I thought, well, you know what? I'm just going to bring you on, and, and myself and Kimberly, we're just going to have a conversation. I'd love for you to tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your background.
4: Well, I am currently a technical writer at a local tech firm here, and uh, I've been doing that for a while. took time off to be a carpenter for about 15 years, which not very related, but maybe a little better for the soul. Yes. And um, <laughs> at any rate, um, and I live on Whidbey Island because that's where my vibes sort of work and feel best. And um, uh, what else would you like to know?
1: Well, you had an experience yourself, is that correct?
4: I did, indeed.
1: Would you like to share that with the audience?
4: Sure. I was a reporter at the time, and uh, I was taking a weekend uh, uh, whitewater rafting trip. And we were going down some uh, pretty dicey rapids. I don't know. For anyone out there who understands uh, the uh, rapid classification in whitewater, they go from about one to six And six generally is something akin to, say, Niagara Falls. We were on some class five rapids and uh, got ourselves into trouble. The raft went perpendicular, and uh, I got knocked out of the the raft. So I ended up going down the rest of the uh, rapids in uh, not much more than my life jacket and uh, figured out pretty quickly that I was in trouble. So, uh, generally what happened was, uh, between, uh, getting, um, washed around and not being able to get to the surface, uh, enough to get enough air, uh, the, that pretty much, uh, pretty much did me in. So, uh, and the next moment, uh, uh, I just found myself outside of the violence and the cold and, and, uh, the pain and, uh, I said to myself, what the hell just happened to me?
1: (laughs) No kidding. kidding. And? And
4: um, and, uh, that's when I sensed, and this is, I don't know, I didn't get a chance to listen to uh, Kim's story early on. I know about it, but this is where it gets kind of difficult to articulate because I'm just going to say that we kind of experience in our world in, in three dimensions and with our five senses. And it's different. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our consciousness, I would say, in a very broad way is expanded, so uh I sensed uh as well as saw this what I will call a being uh, uh nearby me, and as soon as I uh, let out this exclamation, this being sort of communicated to me in a telepathic way, uh everything's okay, you can stop struggling um, you're fine now. You're okay. Uh, it was that sort of communication. And, uh, and so I immediately calmed down because I sensed the tranquility where I was. And um, so I just waited to see what was coming next. And what came next was a sort of a life review that I saw from three different perspectives simultaneously. Uh, the first was, the way that I'd experienced my life through my own eyes and uh, and then through sort of an omniscient viewpoint where I saw myself and everyone uh, around me that I interacted with. And the third viewpoint was through the viewpoint or through the eyes of the people with whom I interacted. And the memories were from way back when I was a very small child. And um, one, of the, one of the first things that stuck out uh or uh, still remains in my memory is that when i was four years old i uh hid around the corner of a house and waited for uh, a kid who'd been picking on my brother to come around and i whacked him over the head with a stick and this kid had had perceived me as a friend and so i got to experience the you know sort of the, the thinking that it was fun to see me and then this Enormous surprise of getting whacked over the head with a stick, and the pain of getting whacked, oh. and um, and that's w- the way it went from that point on. Um, Any time that I had a uh, an argument or a disagreement uh, with someone, I got to feel what it felt like to be in their shoes.
1: Wow, what a gift!
4: So it, it was I'm... a gift uh, in a way. <laughs> yes, it, I mean and, you could uh, take it. Also, there were times when. You know, I was uh, in my first marriage. I, you know, had a lot of difficult episodes uh, uh, with my wife, a lot of contentious arguments. And I and I got to feel what it was like from her standpoint as mm. well as mine. And I got to thinking, why did we put each other through so much pain? Mm. And uh, uh, I looked over at this being next to me thinking, wow, I, you must really – not think very much of either one of us and um anyway we the message that came back from from the being was there's no judgment here everything happened the way it was supposed to yep. everything is perfectly okay mm. so um
1: either way you go divine and yeah. divinity it's it it's going to support you either way however you define that Right. No judgments.
4: So, and then, um, so I started, this sort of generated all these questions that that I had had in my lifetime. And, uh, every question that came up into my consciousness was answered immediately and totally satisfactorily. And so the questions just started racing out and they started coming back in the same fashion. It was like, uh, I Auto described it with all these light bulbs going off at once and it was like these oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah moments. Wow. And um and also I felt this overwhelming presence of love, of this very, very powerful sense of love and acceptance. And um and and naturally that's the place where you don't want to leave. Mm. But I was told uh I was told I could stay or I could go, it didn't matter, but if I decided to stay and not go back to my life that um, that I would have to come back again to sort of fulfill whatever sort of agreements that I had made with the people that I had sort of been living my life with and yep. around
1: I call those and, soul contracts
4: uh that 's a good term and uh, and so i I thought oh man i don 't want to i don't want to go back but i don't want to have to i don't want to have to repeat this yes. A particular lifetime. So I uh, I decided to go back, and as soon as I made that decision, it was instantaneous. I was back <laughs> in my body, floating some some ways down the river, and um, uh, one of our party was in a kayak. He was able to come over and, and uh, grab a hold of my life jacket and pull me over to uh, a beach. Wow. Where I, they treated me for hypothermia and... Uh, some of my injuries and, and that sort of thing, but I was so I had was they alive had the, okay.
1: you were alive at that moment and had they had to re- resuscitate you or, or were you immediately? You
0: conscious?
4: know, I, I don't remember being totally conscious. Uh, uh, they rolled me over to try to. I remember that they rolled me over on my side and 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 uh, you know, tried to get me to breathe and or they were screaming at me to breathe and. Right. And, Uh, But uh, the next thing I remember is sort of looking up at all of them. So, yeah.
1: Oh, wonderful. Okay, so we're David and Kimberly, we're going to take a quick commercial break. This is Sue Lundquist. This is the Gratitude Cafe, and we are talking about near-death experiences, and you just heard from a very personal experience from David. We're going to come back. We're going to bring Kimberly on. She's got some amazing stories as well. Sue Lundquist here. Stay with us. We'll be right back. So, let me know. Should I stay or should I go? It's
3: always tasty.
1: The preceding audio was via a Skype call.
3: Ready to release pain? energy is not bound by space whether you're in tennessee or sue's own backyard of woodenville washington sue lundquist can do both in person and distance energy healing sue holistically integrates a range of energy healing modalities that break through blockages and work through both the physical and emotional energy body you'll find both a guide and a healer in working with sue hire sue now at sue or call 206-300-2227 That's 206-300-2227.
4: Advertising, successful advertising that is, is all about being on the right platform with the right message the right amount of times. Do the right thing for your business. Advertise on the Gratitude Cafe with Sue Lundquist. Reach her loyal audience with your important message. Best of all, the options are affordable so you can stretch your advertising dollar to reach
0: the right amount of consumers. Learn more today at 206 322 2227 That's 206-300-2227. 1150 KKNW.com.
3: Attracting the wrong things in your life? Blocked? In transition? Can't seem to get clear? Let Sue Lundquist, intuitive clarity coach, guide you through to confidence and sustained positive change. This is achieved with easy, practical tools you can use in your everyday life. Call now for your personal one-on-one clarity coaching session with Sue to get back to who you really are, confident, purposeful, and positive. Call Sue at 206-300-2227. That's 206-300-2227.
0: Following the herd is fine. Until they lead you off a cliff, think for yourself. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM.
1: Benny, the producer. Should I stay or should I go? Dun, 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 that dun, was the previous one, by the way, and I got a kudos compliment from a caller. Oh, you did? It, it was The Clash, by the way, if anyone really needed to know the previous one. Wow. Gratitude Cafe. Sue Longquist here. Earlier, I called myself Super Sue. Benny thought that was chuckable. or Chuckable. Ch- what am I trying to Laughable. Oh, see, my language is not coming out. It's in my head, but it's not coming out my tongue the way I want it to. <laughs> All right, we have got Kimberly Clark Sharp, and um, also we just recently spoke with uh, David Beckman about his near-death experience. Kimberly um, is an author. I want to remind all of you uh, to pick up her book. It's called "After the Light: The Spiritual Path of Purpose." You can get that on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Again, it's called "After the Light: The Spiritual Path to Purpose." Uh, Her organization here locally in Seattle, it's seattleiands.org. That's locally here in Seattle. And you can also contact the international or uh, the larger presence as well in Durham, North Carolina. Their uh, information is just simply www.iands.org. Again, www.iands.org. And uh, phone number, 919-383-7940. And that's in North uh, Carolina. We were talking to David about his rafting experience, his near-death experience. Um, Pretty amazing to be able to come back from that type of experience. Uh, David, I have a question for you. You were talking about... Uh, different perceptions of things that happen and all these questions that you had that were kind of rapid fire fire like light bulb moments and massive downloads as my language not yours my language I want to know what was some of your biggest lessons that you learned now that you've 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 come back from that situation and you are living can you give well, for- go ahead
4: First of all, I I guess I should say that I didn't get to remember everything that I – all of the answers I uh, got to know then. I mean, I got – I remember that I knew them and and, uh, felt really uh, very satisfied about the answers. Yes. Uh, But uh, uh, most of them I didn't get to come back and remember. Some of them I did over time. But um
1: but isn't it more yeah. of an emotion intuitive emotion that something feels right or doesn't feel right this time going forward?
4: Sure. um you know, that's kind of the uh, that's kind of the thing you use to guide you to uh as you go forward with it. You, you have uh, I would say that most of us that I've met uh, who've had near-death experiences uh sort of use that intuition to help guide us. Uh through our daily lives and that doesn't mean that we don't uh, that doesn't mean that we don't find ourselves in big messes from time to time.
1: <laughs> <right>. <laughs> that's our humanness. I mean we've got to do that to remind ourselves, right?
4: It could be or it could be that, you know, we were, you know, that's one of the lessons that we need to learn.
1: Yes. Right? Yes, so. definitely. Yes. Yeah. I speak to that language quite often here on the radio show.
4: Um, so does that answer your question?
1: Well kind of. I I mean for you okay so I'm gonna go back to you saying your energy on Woodby Island, that's what you like. Is that something you would have picked? Would you have picked Woodby Island prior to your NDS? And I'm asking this because I'm trying to get to the bottom of how your emotions and your energy and you, you changed after your your near-death experience.
4: I think probably not. Um, you know, it, it takes a certain amount of sacrifice to live on Woodby Island, <laughs> first of all. Yes. But uh, I guess... The reason that I, I, I just feel good there. Mm-hmm. And if I was forced to try to articulate what that means, it just feels like the the ambience, the vibrations, uh, I, I guess you start getting a little woo-woo about it, but it just I love it feels it. Yeah. right to be there.
1: Yeah, so. no, you're speaking my language. It's fine. Okay. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, Kimberly, let's talk about your group. Okay. <laughs> Your local group. And I want you to articulate what that looks like for people that are listening. So if they have questions, um, where they can, one, find the group, how often it is. And you've got speakers that also come in uh, that talk about near-death experiences and educate. And it's just an all-around good feeling of safe safe environment for people to go to, correct?
2: Absolutely. And um, so we meet... Once a month, on the second Saturday of every month, at the uh, University of Washington Medical Center on South Lake Union. And uh, about 60 people, on average, attend. We listen to someone share their near death experience, um, share with each other, um, <clears throat> the occasional lecture, yes. Um, and mainly, it's a place where, um, like-minded. I, I want to just say, we get high.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> not Without that kind of drugs. high. Let's. It's back
2: to what you were talking about with the vibrations. But oh yeah, there's so much love in the room that it's a place to. I call it limp in, leap out. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, many people too who attend are afraid of death. They're afraid of, you know, uh, just going into a, a mindless void with no experiences whatsoever, and that's ego talking. Yes. And I love I love a good ego. I'm not arguing that point, but we do <laughs> we do check that ego at the door when we depart. But people come to the meetings. For the same reason they might be tuning into this broadcast, they want to know, do we go on? Mm -hmm. And um, part of, again, my coughing and throat clearing is
1: because I am so not a morning person. (laughs) You're all right. We love listening to your information, though. Uh,
2: I I had a near-death experience, and one element of it was uh, beholding eternity. And it them. turned out that and I don't know how to put that into words, but I was in the in the midst of this great light and the, the light was stretching out in all directions. And again I had eyeballs, I could see just fine, even though my body was being resuscitated on a sidewalk. And um not only was I acutely aware that I was beholding eternity in a linear fashion, but at the same time these this light was doubling back on itself endlessly, and I somehow knew that I was looking at dimensions. So not only is time as we try to measure it really forever, but within that time are different levels of existence that we just can't imagine. It's vast.
1: Massively.
2: What's available to us in terms of of experiences, it's it's just um, beyond physical comprehension, and I would also like to give a shout out to that light, which I call God, or uh, I'm I'm most familiar, I'm I'm most comfortable with saying my Creator. Okay. Uh, I mean that in a spiritual way, not a religious way. Personally, I don't need a building with a sign above the door to go in and worship. Yep um i'm I'm doing that here during the broadcast i'm I love that you're called the gratitude cafe because I think David would agree with me that one of the elements that um is part of the after effects which are also pretty huge is a sense of gratitude mm. um, not at being alive but just the the bigger the bigger package of um how you, again, Sue, have said uh, something at the top of the hour about our experiences today are preparing us for what we've already asked for.
1: Mm, Yes. So
2: after a near-death experience, that sense of being able to uh, forge one's way through life with gratitude and love becomes more acute, which does not mean we don't mess up all the time, as David mentioned. I mean, we have plenty of opportunities to goof up. But near-death experiencers have a tendency to bounce back and to look at a bigger picture and to inspire other people to do the same. So it's like we're sent back for a reason, and I call it being sent back to serve.
1: Sent back to serve. I love that. Can you imagine if we had a collective energy of everybody That was of service. Working on it. (laughs) I know. That's. I'm here too. Working on it. Very much working on it. Okay. So I have something to say, and whether it has anything to do with near death experiences or not, I'm going to say it anyways because I'm called to do it. Um, My audience knows that I have been, um, and maybe I don't know Kimberly or David. If you know this gentleman, it's Doctor David or Doctor Joe Dispenza. Are you familiar with him? No. I
2: am, but I don't know him.
1: Okay incredible. And the language and the experiences that you're talking about, the out of body, the um, experience of love, the um, multiple, multiple dimensions that you go through and or feel. Something that he teaches, again, this is my language. He's far better at communicating exactly what he teaches. However, when we go into that state of meditation that he teaches us, We are doing that. We are in this altered state, like you were talking about, um, Kimberly, earlier about the athletes, the Olympians, that they have that out-of-body experience. When I go into meditation, based on what Dr. Joe Dispenza has taught me, I am doing exactly that. I'm projecting myself forward in what I would like to see it to be, but there is so much more dimension that is in there. And I'm, I, I don't know, I was just called to introduce you to the name Dr. Joe Dispenza. He's a neuroscientist. He's actually based, he's a chiropractor by trade here in the Pacific Northwest, but he's currently traveling the world teaching this experience, uh, meditation, mind over matter, healing your body, literally mind over matter, your mind into matter, what that's defined as and being able to heal your own body. And I've seen it, lupus arthritis all of this amazing things but there it is welcome which could be
2: another after effect by the way of a near-death experience for reasons completely yeah. unknown people seem to heal faster after a near-death experience wow sometimes at the level of miracle mm. and um
1: you so say that you're level mentioning of- that yeah oh, it is it's it's amazing So, Kimberly, you had near-death experience. There was also something outside of the hospital you wanted to talk about. Didn't you find something? Yes, yes. Got to share. Got to share. share, Please, please.
2: When uh, I was younger.
1: (laughs) You beautiful young thing.
2: (laughs) No, actually,
1: (laughs) when you were just a baby. (laughs) Hey, now.
2: (laughs) You youngin'. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I was a social worker at Harborview Medical Center in Seattle, and as the name implies, there is a magnificent view of the harbor um, of uh, Elliott Bay from the hospital building. And I worked on intensive care and coronary care, and at that time, I had had a near death experience. Actually, I had a near death experience when I was pretty young in 1970, but Uh, The term near-death experience had not been coined. Uh, I had never heard of such a thing, Plus, I was in the state of Kansas, which is even more of a bubble than (laughs) (laughs) one could possibly imagine. So um, I had dismissed my own experiences as I just kind of filed away as when I died. And then when I got my master's degree from the University of Washington School of Social Work, I got them a license to um, diagnose others, including myself, and I decided that I was crazy. And a lot of people who've had a near-death experience without support or information go to that place. I must be crazy. They are not crazy, though. And here is the most concrete example of why crazy does not exist within the realm of near-death experience, and that's when people as I mentioned earlier, can perceive objects with their eyes from re- in remote distances from where their bodies are. Yes. And when someone else can validate, oh, yes, that object exists. Yes. Well, that's the story I'm going to tell you now. So a woman who was um, Hispanic, had come into Seattle for the first time, had a massive heart attack during the night, was admitted to the coronary care unit, Um, I met her the next day. I had a lot of social worky things to do with her because of language. Uh, we needed to find some money. We needed to find her family, so on and so forth. Uh, but she was recovering quite well and, um, just was one of the many patients I had. So one day though, she went into cardiac arrest, easy resuscitation. I stood in the doorway and watched, um, Harborview, as other places, we have several wonderful hospitals in town. I'd recommend every one of them for being sick and getting better. Harborview, though, is the trauma center for our area and, in fact, for one-fourth of the United States. Wow. Yeah, so uh, shout-out to Harborview. Wow. So uh, people are being resuscitated there on a frequent basis, and it's it, well-oiled machine response. So... um Maria was resuscitated, and I went about my business for the day. Later on, though, I was called back to the unit because Maria was awake and very agitated. The nurses didn't want her to be so agitated that she slipped back into cardiac arrest. So it's send in the social worker and find out what the heck's going on. <laughs> and uh, it turned out that she had full awareness during her resuscitation. Her- Blah, 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 during her resuscitation, she saw her, her body being resuscitated. She could identify who was in the room. She then was distracted by something outside of the window, and without any sense of movement, just she thought it, and it happened, kind of like we're talking about a few minutes ago, where one can, in an altered state of consciousness, manifest one's future. Yep. Well, it was like that. She thought about being in some place, and boom, she was there. And she then actually really described the, at that time, the driveway um, into the emergency unit because that's where she had been hovering. And and uh, But, you know, all of this I was discounting because her room was above the ER, and um, I figured hearing is the last sense to go before we die. I thought she could identify who was in the room. Uh, during her resuscitation by voice and anyway i was uh, just avoiding dealing with my own near-death experience at that point but uh, she then said that she found a shoe on her ledge she was in a different part of the hospital she thought maybe three or four stories above the ground she wasn't sure and the reason she was agitated is that she wanted someone to go out and get the shoe (laughs) and in case I and that fell to me and in case I was going to confuse it with any other shoe on a ledge at Harborview Medical Center um, (laughs) she said it was dark blue it was large uh, the little toe area was scuffed up and the lace uh, one of the laces was white and went under the heel and off you go it was like okay so the luck owe the Kim I started on the wrong side of the building the east side but I I walked around the building. I didn't see anything. I went inside to the third floor going, you know, most rooms I could just see out the window without entering. But sometimes I had to go in because uh, a cart was blocking the window. And I was getting kind of bored and feeling silly. But being the good social worker that I am, uh, I persevered until I got to a window in the north, end of the hospital facing west and I looked down and there was a large dark blue tennis shoe (laughs) with (laughs) the lace under the heel and I looked at it and I looked out at Puget Sound and there was nothing. The closest building was Smith Tower and that's about a quarter mile away.
4: Wow.
2: And so I had to uh, quickly figure out what was going on. So either Maria had gained access to Smith Tower with a telescope or a strong pair of binoculars, spotted the shoe in case she had a massive heart attack, was admitted (laughs) to that healthcare facility, had cardiac arrest while in the hospital, and then would report to a gullible social worker that there was a shoe on the ledge, or... That while she was dead, and there were a dozen people in the room, because Harborview is a teaching hospital with the University of Washington, so there are residents and interns for the physicians, for the nurses. Heck, for all I know, janitorial services were attendance. And at a time, though, when many witnesses would attest that she was dead, she, in fact, was flitting around and identifying a shoe on a ledge. So I... I could not support my own body weight. I was in such shock. And this is when I got my own validation. Yes. And I slumped against the window. I hit it with my forehead. And one of those watershed moments in life, I remember my breath briefly fogging up the glass pane as out loud I said, this happened to me. Wow. Wow. So I took the shoe, and the shoe became the Shroud of Turand of Harborview, I swear. I mean, back then, listeners will be shocked to know that it used to be that when you were sick and needed to be in the hospital, you stayed in the hospital until you were well enough to go home. You know, that doesn't happen so much anymore, but uh, Maria was in the hospital for two or three weeks, and the shoe sat proudly there, and and she received any and all who came in to go, oh, my gosh. So it changed the lives. It actually changed the course of medicine uh, in a sense because this is the most famous Marna and out-of-body experience ever reported because of the degree of validation. There were so many witnesses to her health crisis, and then we have the shoe. And I still do have the shoe, and people yay. are skeptical. Yeah, well, yeah, but uh, yay and not yay. People say, Well, show me the shoe, and then I'll believe. And I'll say, Well, it's out in the garage. Clean my garage, and you can see <laughs> the <it too. laughs> shoe. Yes. And uh, we have 900 square feet of boxes and mess. So no one has has actually taken me up on that. But it doesn't matter. I could pull a shoe out of North Shrooms and go, oh, ah, this is the a blue shoe. shoe. All right. It's, you know, yeah.
1: Well, we've got two minutes uh, before we're going to wrap up the show here. David, is there anything that you wanted to add?
4: I just want to say that I agree with everything that Kim said. And um, it's also an interesting, uh, I think, little tidbit about near-death experiencers is they can generally spot another near-death experiencer. Yes. Wouldn't you... Have you not found that to be the case?
2: Kim? Yes. Or uh or someone from the hood. So yeah, Well, to speak. yeah.
1: The like-minded, the hood, the tribe.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's it's very odd, but absolutely and it also helps me in discernment. That that's the gift I came back with anyway was the gift of discernment. And
1: and, and to be of service, right? More well, so. Yeah. You were there um, already, but even yeah, more so that's what we yeah. heard. Sent to be of service.
2: Yeah, that feeds my soul. And and David, I want to thank you for taking time out to share your story because um, you did she so, did it eloquently, and that's really hard to do during the break. We're talking about the ineffability of near death experiences, uh, which means it, they just cannot find the words. And and David did a great job he of did. finding words. He did. Yeah.
1: So David, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Kimberly, gosh, thank you so much, both of you. Thank you for spending this hour with us, Near Death Experience. You guys get my website, www.suelunquist.com. Get my newsletter, and I'll get you all that information. Until next time and next week, wait a minute, Oprah, Wayne Dyer, John of God, Louise Hay, Hay House. What do they all have in common? Mira Kelly, Past Life Regression. We'll see you next week. Each of you are a gift. Get out there and share yourself with the world. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to sign up at sulunquist.com to get all your questions answered and free goodies delivered directly to your inbox. We'll see you next time.